Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. On today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. We're actually going to present a conversation that we recorded with our friends in the LA chapter of Women Who Whiskey live at Whiskey Extravaganza. Our friend Megan Breyer was presenting Maker's Mark. You may remember Megan from an early episode where she presented her aged and glazed education, where she paired bourbon with donuts. But her role with Beam Suntory has really changed and expanded. She'll get into it during the podcast. The conversation was moderated by Women Who Whiskey chapter president Kim O'Hannison, and we tried the original Maker's Mark, Maker's 46, Maker's Mark Cast Strength, and a bottle of Maker's Mark Private Select. And we'll be posting the videos of the conversation on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Spirit Guide Society, if you guys want something visual for this as well. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means stop trying to sell your bottles on eBay. Open them up, share them with friends, and be happy. Cheers. So, uh, ready, Megan? Ready, <laughs> yes, ready for your close-up? All right, let's do it. <laughs> ready to hear about your life? I think they're ready to drink, so okay. yeah, let's... Yeah, so which we're going to get right into. <laughs> so, um, so Megan was born and bred in Kentucky, and she spent five years with Beam Suntory versus Kentucky Bourbon Ambassador. And then as West Coast American Bourbon Ambassador, she's put her bluegrass state savvy to good use traveling the country, creating unique and approachable events centering on bourbon education. Her thirst for knowledge and passion for bourbon is evident in the acclaimed national programs she has launched, such as Oink and Barrel, which features Country Ham and Knob Creek, Aged and Glazed, which we all love because it's donuts and whiskey, and uh, the flirtatious Bourbon is My Boyfriend tasting, which we had for Women in Whiskey. This is uh, Women in Whiskey VP Stacy. Um, Megan, in 2018, she launched Gym Class Nationwide, and that's Gym as in Jim Beam, not Jim as in, you know, uh, sweaty. Uh, did you get sweaty in that gym class? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Megan, we we uh, quenched our thirst. Yeah, Megan so. got to wear a snazzy lab jacket, so uh, it was. she looked very uh, professorial. So, um, And the gym class is a deep dive into all things bourbon, featuring master classes on sensory science, distillation and maturation, and regulatory. Megan subsequently joined the Maker's Mark team in a newly developed role of trade relations manager. Uh, the role is definitely a continuation. It is an adaptation. It is something that Maker's Mark specifically developed for me, which is super rad. But the idea is education. The idea is passion. The idea is bringing whiskey to folks and getting them excited about it. Um, and what is most exciting is, of course, the star of the show tonight, which is going to be the whiskey in front of you and talking to Maker's Mark specifically. So when you guys think about Maker's Mark, what do you think of? What do you know about Maker's? Weeded bourbon, right? That is going to be the first thing that folks come to. Wheat is sweet, rye is dry. It's one of the main intrinsic differences, one of the easiest ways to think about it when you're out and about. Um, Tonight, we are going to start with Maker's Mark and in an effort to go ahead and get uh, a little bit of liquid to lips uh, and start this tasting off right, because I know that is exactly what you are here to do. We will jump in and uh, go ahead and taste. If this is your first sip of whiskey of the day, and it's no judgment if it's not, but if it does happen to be your first sip of whiskey of the day, go ahead um, and start with that one all the way to the left and just take a really small sip. Wet your palate, get it primed and ready. This is 90 proof and we're only going up from here. So then once you're ready, 
revisit it, and that is going to be your first true sip, your first true taste of whiskey. The first thing you are going to notice about Maker's Mark is it's going to be a little bit sweeter, and that goes back to that weeded mash bill. There is not an ounce of rye within Maker's Mark, and that is done very specifically. Because when you look at Bill Samuel Sr., the man that actually created Maker's Mark, he actually was a super taster. What that meant was everything he tastes is heightened, including bitter. And he hated bitter with a passion. Back in the 40s, he was actually given the keys to the castle or to the distillery. His family made a product called T.W. Samuels. T.W. Samuels, if you go to Kentucky, you can still find it there. It's on the bottom shelf. I might have imbibed in it during college. That's the kind of whiskey that we're talking about here. And basically, the Samuels family handed it over to him and said, you run this. And he said, but I don't like it. And I don't want to have to learn to like it. I'm going to make something that I don't have to learn to like. And he decided to use wheat in order to do so. So he threw that recipe out. It actually said that he burned the recipe. And he started baking. And he became an innovator. And he started baking because, guess what? What does whiskey start as? What does bourbon start as? Grains, right? We have to be at least 50% or more corn. Then we have to be, um, you have to have flavor grains, so something like a wheat or a rye, and then you have to be finished with a little bit of malted barley. At least typically you do. Um, some people use enzymes. We can go through all that and get super geeky if you want to. But the fact of the matter is 51% or more corn followed by your flavor grain, which for us is going to be wheat. So when you guys taste this, this is going to be the standard. This is going to be what came out back in the 1950s for the very first time and what we have been making for 60 plus years at this point. Megan was talking about Bill Samuels Sr. starting the company uh, and he co-founded it with Margie Samuels, who you will see featured on the mats. Uh, it, said, it said that Margie, uh, that when people buy their first bottle of Maker's Mark, they buy it because of Margie's marketing. She was the one who was responsible for those iconic red wax uh, tops. And that the second uh, bottle of Maker's Mark that they buy is because of uh, Bill Sr.'s bourbon. Uh, so Margie was also really a branding pioneer. I mean, she not only came up with the idea of the uh, red wax tops, she created uh, the label herself. Um, she create, she uh, decided that she wanted that bottle shape because it uh, reminded her of cognac bottles that she collected. And um, most importantly, she, I, I don't know if anybody's noticed it, but if you look at the, fr the uh, first bottle to your left, right next to the Maker's Mark, there's a little brand, a Maker's Mark. And she uh, designed that. The idea is that um, that is what uh, like fine jewelry makers would put a maker's mark on their jewelry, uh, you know, just to prove that it was theirs. Um, so she was not only a branding pioneer, but she was a whiskey tourism pioneer. I mean, she was the first person to open up a distillery uh, for visits, and she also um, had, you know, Bill Sr. pledge to put a lot of money into renovating the, the distillery. Um, so that's a pretty strong and uh, very unusually well-defined kind of marketing approach. So um, how is that, uh, what is that like kind of coming into, with, what kind of philosophy is that to kind of have to work with or in, be inspired by? It's really amazing when you think about it. When you go back to the 1950s, you probably weren't seeing a lot of women in marketing at that point in time. I mean, we have that show Mad Men for a reason, right? Um, when you think about the fact that Bill, he made the liquid, he made the bourbon, 
but he wasn't a visionary when you think specifically about um, the branding. In fact, we had T.W. Samuels. That was his family's brand that he decided to take a step away from. And then we start, he starts creating his own branding, but Margie didn't like it. And I will tell you, uh, Margie and Bill went to college together at U of L. They were uh, in engineering school together. And Margie was, in fact, the top of her class, and Bill finished at the bottom of, his of the same class. And so what you see is these bookended folks. He was a craftsman. This is what he knew how to do. She was very calculated. And she was very um, ahead of her time in thinking about a brand holistically and that that will help. So the idea being when he came to her and said, I'm going to make this whiskey, she was totally on board. She said, well, what are you going to call it? He said, Old Samuels. And she said, so we have gone away from your family's whiskey. We are creating an entirely new whiskey that is not T.W. Samuels. You're creating a new brand, a new whiskey. You're starting over and you want to call it old Samuels. You see where that might not work? We're not calling it that. So the next thing he does is he's like, well, okay, I want to call it Star Hill Farms. Because at that point in time, that is where they were living. They were living on Star Hill Farms. And he wanted to give himself, because that was home, and this bourbon is home for him, he wanted to call it that. She goes, okay, again, I hear what you're saying. You're trying to put a piece of yourself on this bottle, you're, you know, you're talking about family with the name Old Samuels. You're talking about where we live, what is home. And so you want to call it that. That's still not the name. She was an avid pewter collector. She um, loved old cognac bottles, as we said. She loved artwork. And so what she really thought about was the fact that when you create something really unique and really amazing, you put your mark on it or your maker's mark because you are a maker. And she saw Bill as a craftsman and therefore a maker. And so she said, let's call it maker's mark. And on every single bottle, what I am going to do is I'm going to give you those heartstrings that you have. And specifically, when you look at every single bottle of Maker's Mark, what you're going to see is a star with the SIV on it. The star is for Star Hill Farms, which is where they were living at that point in time. The S is for the Samuels family. And the IV is for the number of generations that have been involved in the distilling business at that point in time. Now... As far as how I work with that, I think the coolest thing and the thing to think about is that they worked in tandem together. They were a true team. As it's mentioned, you buy your first bottle of Maker's Mark because it's beautiful. That red dipped wax, it looks like a gift. It looks like something you want to provide to folks. I will tell you, I grew up, I grew up born and raised in Kentucky. My dad had a Maker's Mark Manhattan every single night. At home, I mean, bourbon is in my blood. Bourbon is something that you give. We don't give wine when you go to somebody's house. You give bottles of whiskey, and then you expect it to be opened up, and you drink it together because it's a shareable experience. So makers, just by looking at it alone, looks like something you would give. But then you taste it, and you understand the palate and the feel, and that it has a lovely creamy texture, and it is a little bit sweeter. So it's very approachable for some folks who maybe haven't been able to develop that bourbon palate quite yet. So when I think about working with this brand, a lot of it is thinking about how do you pull on those heartstrings? How do you bring home to people? How do you look at what you are passionate about? And how then do you get to talk to folks about it? Great. Um, so, you know, you had mentioned, Megan, that... Um, stand up, sorry. I'm not used to standing up. So you had mentioned the fact uh, that when Bill was, uh, Bill Sr. was starting the brand, he baked four, he had four mash bills. Yeah. And he baked uh, four, you know, just to speed up the process, he baked four uh, loaves of bread. And then he picked the one that he liked the best. Um, so uh, 
But uh, there's another um, lore uh, in the Samuels uh, and Makers Mark family, which is that when Bill passed on the, uh, comp the company to Bill Jr., took him for a little walk, and he said, the main thing he said is, don't screw up the whiskey, except he used a more colorful phrase. I mean, that's, that's the very the, PG version yeah, of that one. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's a, he used a more colorful phrase than screw up. So, um, so you know, it took, I mean, you know, Bill Jr. did not craft a new whiskey, you know, for 50, over 50 years. So the next whiskey um, that we're going to try is the first expression after the original one in 50 years, and that's Maker's 46. When you think about Makers 46, you have to think, you have to talk to the story, you have to talk again to the family. The family becomes super important in this entire experience. Uh, and what you're going to be seeing is the fact that we start with Bill and Margie, and they create this brand and they do it for a very long time. And literally, when Bill Jr. comes to work for the company, Bill Sr. says to him, don't screw up the whiskey. That is literally your one job. And in fact, Bill Sr. didn't want to hire Bill Jr. He was like, no, you are not adding value to my company. So guess what he did? He ran to his mom and said, I need a job. And sure enough, she was like, you're giving our son a job. And he said, well, look, I don't really know what value you're going to add. I make the whiskey. Your mom does the branding. I am not advertising because I believe in hand selling. I believe in going out and talking to people. And if they like it and if I share it, then everyone will eventually will get there, right? We also know for a fact that that is not necessarily how the world works and that sometimes we do need to sell. So we had to start thinking about innovation. We had to start thinking about talking to people in a different manner. Um, and 50 plus years later, Bill walks into a meeting. He is not Bill Jr. Uh, he has now been with the company for a long time. He has helped it grow. He's helped this iconic brand get into a lot more hands. Um, he's created what's called the Ambassador Program, which if you guys sign up online, you get a Christmas present every single year. Uh, and it's really amazing, and it's, it's, it's out and about, and in households all over the country. Um, Bill walks into a meeting back in, say, like 2000, between, around 2008. And at that point in time, there's about nine people that are sitting at this table. And he says, I had a dream last night. And they said, okay, where are we going with this, Bill? And he says, well, I was walking through the cemetery, and I came up upon my gravestone. And it started etching itself as I was standing on my gravestone, and it literally said, Bill Samuels Jr. He didn't screw it up. And everybody's like, oh, Bill, you're getting old. Like, that's sad. And he's like, no, but that means I have no legacy. That means I haven't done anything except for exactly what my dad asked me to do. And I want to do something different. I want to create a new brand. And so everybody kind of was like, well, you know, he is getting older and we should probably do this. And so they took pity on old Bill and they decided to create this product. But he had three very distinct parameters that you had to stay within. One, you had to stay yummy. And I'm sorry, we're battling this right now, so I will do my best to project. Um, one is to be yummy. What does that mean? At Maker's Mark, that means the absence of bitter. When we say yummy, it is the absence of bitter, meaning that has to be the same mash bill. Um, he wanted a longer finish, meaning that it lasted a little bit longer. It gave you that real nice long Kentucky hug. But here's the thing, with the absence of bitter, it's very often hard to get a longer finish. So you have to figure that out. The final thing was is that it had to amp up Maker's Mark. It had to be Maker's Mark on steroids. And those were his three parameters. He looked at the master distiller, who was actually my boss when I worked in Kentucky, and he said, go forth and figure that out. So we went to Independent Stave Company, who is our partners in crime. And they created a process called Process 46. 
Process 46 inserts 10 French oak staves into a barrel and puts that standard matured maker's mark back in and ages it for an additional nine to 12 weeks. What that does, that extra wood finish, allows that finish to be a little bit longer. We do French oak because it does change the flavor a little bit, but it amped up the vanillas and the caramels. It kind of created this really unique tannic note to it that wasn't bitter. And that is how we start to get Makers 46. So when you guys are ready, go ahead and dive into your second tasting. Um, you asked me specifically about um, how I create experiences. So thinking about Bill, thinking about, oh, I should take one step back. That story Bill Samuels told about the gravestone and the nightmare that he had, complete bullshit. He made it up because he knew no one would make anything different because they had been told, they had been trained for how long? Since the product, since Makers was created, to not make anything new, to keep the, keep the consistency. So he made up the story to play on their heartstrings in order to get Makers 46 created which I always find fascinating. He actually told me that story himself. I, I was like, I want to hear it from your mouth. How did this happen? He was like, it's bullshit, Megan. I was like, cool. Um, when I think about creating programming, I will never create something that I don't want to attend. That is genuinely how it always starts. And a lot of these things, um, the aged and glazed, the oink and barrels, um, start on my couch at my house uh, with, I found out that Baker's bourbon, Baker's with a B, paired really, really well with dark chocolate. And I was like, well, how cool would it be if I started looking at bringing out notes of different whiskeys and we did a blind tasting and I created a whole blindly beam tasting, which was paired with light bites to eat. And you go in, well, I would want to go to that. I'd be super interested in how food and whiskey are paired together and how they change things. Um, and then I look at the brand specifically. You think about Maker's Mark, you think about the family, you think about the wheat, you think about the fact that wood, we're doing all these new wood finishing series. So Maker's 46 is the first in the wood finishing series. And now we're going to, I say series because guess what? We're putting out our next innovation at the end of this year. We start to think about all of these things and I pull, we pull them out and I want to connect with each and every single one of you. We have on these, you look at these tasting mats, you see, I am woman, hear me pour. We're in this world right now where marketing and whiskey lovers used to not talk to women. I don't really know why in Kentucky that wasn't ever a thing, but when I moved outside of Kentucky, a lot of folks were like, oh, you work in whiskey, but do you like it? And I'm like, I love it. And just because I'm a lady doesn't mean that I can't drink some whiskey. Let's go have a Manhattan. Well, let me ask you something else. I mean, do you, so you basically come up with the ideas and bring them to the brand. It's not like they say, oh, Megan, here's some parameters. We kind of want to go with a food that all comes from you. And is that the same thing kind of going forward with your new? That's interesting. Yeah. So they developed this role. Um, they wrote this role with me in mind. They did not tell me they were writing this role. I was still living on the West Coast. And I got a phone call one day that said, do you want to move to Chicago and do something different? And I was like, I live in San Diego. Chicago, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I was also on the road 80% of the time. And I was doing really rad events like this and traveling around. But I had been doing that for five years. And 80% travel for anybody in here that travels a lot and you do it for a really long time, and all of a sudden it's not nearly as fun as it used to be. Um, and so a, a job that where I just was got to be creative and I got to develop new programming because, yes, they did say, we literally are bringing you in to develop programming and then disseminate it out. We have just recently created a program called the Diplomat Program 
All of these folks are hired by us. They live around the country. We have 20 of them, and they are distillery experts. They come to the distillery. They hang out with Bill. They hang out with Rob Samuels, who's our chief distilling officer. They hang out with our uh, master distiller, Denny Potter, as well as our chief of innovation, Jane Bowie, and they learn from them. And then they go out, and they come home, and then they go out and educate. I was brought in because I've done that job to help guide the educational programs that could be brought out and that hopefully you guys will get to sit through at some point in time. So basically, the way I see it is they saw what you were doing. They're like, we can't lose her. Somebody else is going to snap her up. So we better like just, know. you know, yeah, I think that's what that's what sounds like to me. So um, I mean, because you were doing something that nobody else was doing. I don't know any other whiskey ambassador who was creating programs like that. I mean, you, I mean, really. I had a really, I had a really good time doing it. I it's, know. That well, is what I am passionate about. I love, I love making experiences and I love. And education. You, yes, education. Yeah, um, somebody recently called me an aggressive educator. <laughs> uh, and I genuinely was like, I think that's a really, I am not mad at that at all. Yeah, no, that's a great, I mean, yeah, if you're going to be aggressive about something, right, that's better it. whiskey education. So, uh, you know, so the next whiskey that we're going to take, taste, which is the mm. cast strength, so that was really a result of, um, you know, fans of Maker's Mark saying, well, when are you going to come out with a cast strength? What what kind of t have trends have you noticed in your five years that you've been with Beam Suntory in terms of changing taste, trends, especially with millennials, because there's a lot of talk now about, oh, millennials are just going to go drink, you know, I mean, not go drink, go smoke pot. So we don't need to worry about them. So seriously, I mean, I've had Uber drivers say to me, oh, you're We're in whiskey? In California. Yeah. Are you, oh, you're, oh, you're in whiskey? Oh, but what are you going to do about those millennials who are just smoking pot? I'm like, I think they're going to do both, I hope. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, you tell us, Megan, are they going to do both? I, I think so. Um, our bar's are different came to us and asked us for this, if I'm being honest. Um, they kept coming and saying, we really want a cast strength. Your bourbon, your maker's mark is 90 proof and it's super sweet and we want something that has a little bit more of a backbone and that's gonna stand up in a cocktail. We said, well, we have maker's 46 and they said, oh, well, on the price point that it's at, it's, it can't necessarily go in a cocktail. It breaks our bank because we're making these cocktails. We're not getting our costs back. So we went back and we really thought about it and I'll be honest, I actually was not working for Beam Centurion Makers quite yet. Jane who's now the director of innovation, and I were very good friends. We both lived in Kentucky, um, and she was still an ambassador. So she was traveling around, and she came into my bar, what I affectionately refer to as purse whiskey. I very often will have a new innovation in my purse, and I will just pull it out and be like, I have some purse whiskey. Do you want to taste it? Um, and so that is what she did. She came into my bar, and she said, we are thinking about releasing something. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to taste it. And she knew my palate. I personally... Um, Love Maker's 46 because it's a little bit bigger, it's a little bit bolder, it has these creme brulee notes, which I think are really unique. But Maker's, the, the red top, is a little sweet for my palate. Different strokes for different folks. Um, and she came in with this, and it was spicy, and it was bold, and I was like, I love this. Tell me more. And what it is is genuinely cask strength. So no water added. It goes into the barrel 110 after distillation. It ages to maturity, so around five to seven years. And when it comes out, it typically is also right around that 110 because we do hand rotate every single barrel on site at Maker's Mark. So we're not going to see as much of an aggressive change in, in proof. So you're looking at anywhere from 108 to 112-ish, um, kind of depending on which one. The one we're drinking today is 111.5. Um, the other really unique thing about makers that not a lot of distilleries can say is none of our whiskeys are chill filtered. 
what that means is, is all of the oils are left in, and therefore this really creamy texture comes forward. So even though it is 111 proof, it's not going to drink like 111 proof. It's going to fool you a little bit. Um, but this is something that can go in a cocktail, especially those classics. Um, we are seeing um, a lot more neat whiskey drinkers out there. Those classics are coming back, and they typically need something with a little bit higher proof. Um, when cocktails were actually created, they were created to mask the flavor of whiskey, right? When we immigrated in and we started making whiskey on the West Coast, or I'm sorry, on the East Coast, um, we were using rye. We weren't really aging it. We were putting whiskey in our water because our water was, was contaminated. And then we started making cocktails to literally mask the flavor of that whiskey, keep our water pure, and we started drinking them. So the original cocktails weren't really that tasty. Now we have amazing whiskey and we have amazing cocktails and they play really, really good together. Um, so when you guys are ready, go ahead and dive into that strength right out of the barrel. The only thing we do is filter out the actual char. Um, and I think we are really seeing, how many folks in here, are, I mean, you guys are all at a whiskey show, so I assume you probably like cast strength. Are you guys cast strength drinkers when you're drinking bourbon? Pre preferable? Take it down to your own proof if you so choose, right? You make the decision of what proof you want to drink it at. You don't want us to make that decision for you. You start creating that more personal experience. Yes? Great question. So the question was, are the barrels new? To be a bourbon, we have to follow the standards of identity for bourbon, which were given to us by Lyndon B. Johnson back in 1964. There's your trivia knowledge for the day. Um, but one of those rules is that we have to be aged in a new charred oak container every single time. Note two things that I did not say there. I did not say American oak and I did not say barrel. Common misconception is that it has to be aged in a new, new charred American oak barrel. By law, new charred oak container. I can put it in a box or a bucket if I wanted to as long as it's new charred and oak. Other things, 51% corn, made in America, all of these things that we have to follow in order to be a bourbon. Because whiskey is going to be, we're at whiskey extravaganza, so whiskey is going to be the umbrella. Then you have scotch, you have bourbon, you have Irish, you have Canadian, you have Japanese, you have Indian. There's all these things, and everybody has their own rules, standards of identity, and everything like that. So the newest, so, yes. you know, so having like, so, for, you know, 46 was, uh, you know, the most recent expression. And then it was like a giant leap with Rob Samuels, uh, who, you know, is very much an innovator. I mean, there's, you are doing so much innovative stuff already. I mean, more than anybody else is. But I mean, how do you kind of continually talk, top yourself, you know, with like, I mean, do you feel like, well, I've got well, to, I've got to, I mean, you know, there's, when Megan was introduced, was uh, interviewed in, in, I think it was Forbes magazine, the question for a lot of the women was, um, when do you know you've made it? And I don't want to ask that question because I don't think anybody feels like they've made it. But I, mean, I feel like if you say I've made it, probably yeah. something wrong with you you're, or, you're probably, or you're gonna get struck by lightning <laughs> so but but what I mean is um, what I'm interested you know you are already so innovative how what is what what kinds of th where do you want to go from yeah. here and then also yeah. to be talking about cool. this so. Um, so let's talk private select first it is innovative it's super unique there is genuinely and I say this with utmost confidence there is no other single barrel program out there doing what this program is doing right now. And here is why. What this program does, we walked through, so basically what we did is a timeline of the Maker's Mark experience. You kind of did a little historical tasting. We started with the standard makers and you learned about Bill. Then you learned a little bit about Bill Jr. and the 46. And then we went to Cast Strength because that's when it was released in the order of all of this. Well then, just a couple years ago, we developed a single barrel 
um, project and product. And here's what's unique about this. You think about single barrel, you look at something, and I will affectionately refer to Knob Creek because that is a brand that I have worked with very intimately as well. Um, you go to the Jim Beam Distillery and you can pick out your very own Knob Creek single barrel. Every single barrel is so different. 50 plus percent of flavor. When you are thinking about bourbon, because it is a new charred oak container every single time, 50 plus percent is coming from that barrel. The barrel is a huge flavor component when you are making whiskey. So you come into Knob Creek, you have three barrels that are set out in front of you and you taste through them. And it's fascinating because depending on where they live, depending on where, when they were put in, they could have lived side by side the entire time. They still are going to taste vastly different. And that's the fun. And then you get to take that back to your bar or to your, your liquor store or whatever it might be. And then that's what they do. And they say, this was my selection, right? Super cool program. People kept coming to the Maker's Mark and saying, we want a, a single barrel. We want you guys to do that. Here's the thing about Maker's. Makers is one of the most consistent products because of the way they make it. Because we still hand rotate every single barrel. We put it at the top and then it'll move to the bottom. Every single barrel is touched and moved during its time and it's very consistent. Even though the barrel plays a huge role, the majority of them are gonna taste very similar. So we didn't feel like our single barrels would have the vast difference of a Knob Creek that lived on the sixth floor versus a Knob Creek that lived on the second floor or depending on age, because we also aged to a very particular point in time. And we weren't gonna change our core values just to do a single barrel. So how do we speak to the times? Do we speak to every person that's in this room and super soaked on whiskey? Um, we make it a personal experience because if you've listened to me as I've talked through all of this, everything is very personal. Everything is very familial. Everything, so we wanted, when we brought folks to the distillery, we wanted them to have that same reaction in that same moment and therefore they create their own blend. We have five different oak staves that you can choose from, put in your barrel, same process as the Makers 46. So we take matured, we do the hard part, we make the maker's cast strength for you, we make our standard maker's mark, we set that aside, and then we allow you to choose from five different styles of um, oak. So French oak cooks differently, some are convection, some are infrared cooked, some are ribbed or ridged, um, and you get to taste through all of those, and then you choose the ones that go in, and it goes away to be aged for another nine to 12 weeks, and when it comes out, it is your very own unique blend of Maker's Mark. You have created what we are calling a private selection. And this is, again, the evolution of what I'm referring to as the wood finishing series. So basically think about it this way. If I did now 10 of the uh, Maker's 46 staves and put them in, that would be a Maker's 46 private selection. Instead, you have the opportunity to choose from things. They're called um, seared French cuvee. There's a pure American two. There's a mocha stave. There's all five different kinds of staves you can choose from. And what you guys have here and that we are tasting today, and this one is going to include those 10 uh, finishing staves. It is going to have one French cuvee, which when you think about French cuvee, what you're going to be thinking about is like amping up the caramels and vanillas. When you're thinking about the Maker's 46, well, you guys tasted Maker's 46. It's going to accentuate that. French mocha is very almost bitter. Not quite because, again, bitter is a bad word for us, but it is a little bit more astringent and can be very polarizing. Honestly, I am not a mocha person, not my jam. I would do no mocha if I was to create this because it has almost this weird finish to it. Uh, and then some French spice as well, which is exactly what it would sound like. It provides just a little bit more of like... Think about baking spices specifically. Think about um, 
the holidays and the, the brown notes that you might get from that. So when you guys go in, you should notice a pretty vast difference. It allows us to let you create your very own selection and bring it home to your bar, your restaurant, um, and now consumers as well. People just like you could come in, do the same thing again if you, if you have the Benjamins, baby. So, But um, that's kind of amazing that you could go in if you have the money, however much that is, uh, and that you can create your own barrel. So one other question, and then we'll open it up to more uh, general Q&A. Uh, how do you create experiences around, oh, right. around um, you know, uh, so many different expressions? I mean, that's, it's obviously you're having to There's do- There's a thousand and one different combinations. If you do the statistics with the five staves and however many you put in, I am, I am not a math major. There's a reason I'm in whiskey. Um, there's a thousand and one different combinations that you can do. So fascinating, right? I think the key thing here is thinking about, again, the experience, how cool it is to create your very own blend and to put your own mark on makers. Um, the fun thing, and you had the opportunity to do this um, with Jane this past week, is tasting through the super concentrated version. So when people come in and they taste this, they have the opportunity to taste uh, the, the maker's cast strength that has 10 French cuvee, that has 10 maker's 46, that has 10 um, French spice, things like that, so that they can understand the exact flavor profile they're getting and that they're putting in. When I'm thinking about creating new programming, I, I mean, I'll go back to it as genuinely like, what do I want to go to? It's also me going to a lot of events, doing a lot of reading and researching and looking at like the different events that are out there and understanding what is getting each and every one of you guys excited um, and, and really considering that, thinking about the future of the industry. Right now, we are so lucky to have so many people that are super geeky and wanting to get involved and wanting to ask questions. But that also means we have to be super transparent. And that is one of my biggest proponents is making sure that we're open and honest and I will share with you as much as I am genuinely allowed to share. It's funny coming from, I, I did the whole American whiskey portfolio for Beam Centauri and now I'm only doing Maker's Mark. Um, when you talk about Jim Beam, Jim Beam, Knob Creek, Bakers, Bookers, Basil Hayden, I wasn't allowed to share their mash bills, the percentages. I could tell you the grains that were involved and I, I know their mash bills, I know their distillation proofs. But I wasn't allowed to share that. With Maker's Mark, we're like 100% open and transparent. And I think that speaks volumes when you're just genuinely like, I'm going to share everything because you're asking me about it. That means you're excited about it. And I want to continue to grow that. And that is, that's all I want to do as well. Um, so right now what I'm doing is I'm working on a national program that will hopefully be launched out for all of the diplomats to do. That will be a, a dinner program that is very seated in everything that we do at the distillery. One of the coolest facts that we have is that everything comes from a 60 mile radius when you're thinking about it. So our corn is coming from a 60 mile radius. No other distiller, not no other, very few other distillers can say that. Our wheat comes from one family farm that we've used since the 50s. Our stills that we have, they're all copper. We have three of them. All came from Vendome, which is in Louisville, which is again within that 60 miles. Our water sources, we're one of the few that can say we own every single piece of land that touches our water source. And limestone water, y'all, is super important for bourbon. We're one of the few people that can say, besides our barley, pretty much everything comes from within a 60 mile radius. And so I'm working on an event idea right now re revolving around that. Super exciting. I think the coolest thing about the diplomats is they're regional. They all live in, um, they're around the country. And based on where they are regionally, they're having different asks and you know, the, the coasts, are a little bit ahead of the times, whereas so like I can create programming for the coasts, 
that I know the Midwest hasn't quite gotten there yet. And I say that again, I'm from there, I'm affectionate for it, but uh, you know, you, you aren't quite there. So you, you create stuff for the coast and then eventually it trickles in. But hearing what their needs are and how regionally it's different and helping them create the tools for them knowing where they're gonna be living and the bartenders they're gonna be working with is really interesting as well. But it goes back to Margie and Bill. You know, they worked in tandem and I'm working in tandem with these diplomats to really understand that while keeping the core of the brand um, to the highest standard. Before we break and uh, release you to the general tasting, any other questions for me? Ah, yeah, so the wax is interesting. Um, so Margie Samuels, Everybody hear that question? He said, what's the true story about the wax? Um, Margie Samuels uh, loved cognac. We talked about that. And cognac bottles very often do have wax. They are dipped in wax. And she just thought it was very aesthetically pleasing and decided that she wanted to add that. Now, the red dipped wax, the very first one that she did, she actually did uh, basically in a broken crock pot at home. Um, so she like dipped the first few batches of Maker's Mark at her, in her kitchen on her table um, and put that out. Uh, the tendrils, every single bottle um, is still hand dipped on site at the distillery. So if you come there, you'll walk in, you'll see your bottlings and you see people dipping. That is actually a bottling line. People are like, that's not all of it. No, that, that's all of it. We um, hand dip every single bottle. And so therefore, every single is a little different. And they do say at the distillery, you can actually see, like, they would know that Jane dipped this one. They would know that Megan dipped this one because of the, the way you rotate. Everybody like kind of has a habit. They get into that like rhythm. But you'll notice not any bottle is alike. So we always joke that character isn't made by machine. We have, we have a lot of character. And this is a really lovely way to prove that. But also, I was just there in April, and uh, we got to dip barrels. I mean, not barrels, uh, bottles. And uh, the, the standard, you know, what you aim for is five to seven tendrils. Yes. So, um, you know, a member of our team was like very proud that he got to dip, you know, that he got four, six tendrils. It was like, oh, shut up. You know, I was like, uh. anyway, the Maker's Mark Distillery. It's an amazing distillery. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a great tour. It's a great tasting. Uh, highly recommend it. I went, you know, there to pick out a, I went to Kentucky to pick out a barrel from another distillery. And all I could think of, this is why I'm like thinking about how much it costs. It's like, all I want to do is go back to Maker's Mark and get one of these prices. Private select. So, any other questions for Megan um, before we break for the private tasting? No? And I'll be around. So, um, I'll be out. There's a Maker's Wanted Experience outside. So, please go check that out. Um, I'll be around there if you guys do have any questions as you drink through. Thank you so much, Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show was produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.